they're the the king and the queen on the neurochemical chessboard. Wow. And and they have to be in a dynamic homeostasis, like a like a, a a dance together. They have to dance together. All mental health issues, chemically speaking, are an imbalance between the masculine and the feminine of serotonin and dopamine. Welcome to Going Within, the podcast where I, David Naylor, and our guests dive deep, sharing our transformative journeys with psychedelic therapy and other awakening experiences. As the founder of Within, a psychedelic assisted therapy clinic in Austin, Texas, I'm dedicated to helping others find profound healing and consciousness expansion using ketamine in a ceremonial approach. Join us as we explore the life-changing potential of going within and listening to inspiring stories of transformation from various life experiences and ceremonies. Thank you for honoring me with your presence and attention today, and I'm so grateful that you're here and all of your infinite wisdom. Now, let's go within. Today we have Ronnie Landis on the show. He's a peak performance coach, holistic health expert, motivational, uh, spiritual mentor, mystic, neuroscience researcher, meditation and breathwork guide, trauma and addiction recovery specialist, and he's a lifelong martial artist and elite athlete and a mind-body connection wizard. Ronnie has a book out called The Addiction-Free Lifestyle. It's an incredible book for anyone that has struggled with addiction and looking to understand more about plant medicine and psychedelic therapy to have a deeper sense of connection, awakening, and healing. And I'm just so excited to have him on the show today. Ronnie Landis, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, David. Yeah, I've been wanting to meet you and I've been following you and your book, The Addiction-Free Lifestyle, and having a similar path of addiction and kind of having had that path, going to rehab when I was 17 and and going through that part of my life and, and going through recovery and then finding plant medicine. And, you know, I thought we could talk about so many things today. And I, I think the first question that's on my heart is just to hear a little bit about your story. I want to know how you maybe fell into, I imagine addiction is a part of your story. So how you fell into that, what was that season of your life like or seasons for some? And then how how did coming out of that season and finding plant medicine and your, your awakening, your healing really happen? Yeah. Great question. Um, I have to kind of process that for a second because in my life, I've lived so many lives within this one. I think we can probably all relate to that, especially in the psychedelic renaissance and the, the emergence of the psychonautical plant medicine entheogenic revolution. One of the things that comes along with that is ego identity disillusion and also the death and rebirth process. And a lot of us go through that in the natural cycle of our life. But when you start going into that world and you start working with these different exogenous compounds that trigger an evolutionary impulse within our own psychological structure, if you will, it brings up a lot when it comes to self-identity, self-concept, who am I, I'm not who I was, that part of me is, is dying or, or going through a rebirthing process. And so I just say that as like a context just to set up the conversation and also to say that's what my life has been like before I got into the psychedelic world. It's interesting you say that because for me, I remember at a young age, I was 15, having gone to rehab at 17, I was falling apart. I was going mm. through my first, my first death. Mm. The, the ostracized from school, from community, from my family, like experiencing drugs and pain. And I wanted to take my own life. In fact, a couple of my good friends did. And instead I asked for help, um, got into rehab and somehow I was reborn 
And I was in college before any of my high school friends and I was a high school dropout. It was like I was reborn into this new inspiration. I think that was the first time I realized that death and rebirth is, can be a part of life. Yeah. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand that when they're in that place. They think, oh, my life is over. But totally. no, life is part of death and rebirth, yeah. death and rebirth. And we'll always be going through this. Is that kind of what you were alluding to? In I a think sense? that's perfectly said. Yeah. And, and the two are synonymous. Like in quantum physics, you have the zero and the one, and they both exist at the same time. And so you can't, you can't they're inseparable. And that's a, that's, a, that's a quandary for scientists to try to figure out that riddle. Mm -hmm. And so that, the death and rebirth cycle is actually synonymous. It's one and the same. It's not separate. It's not one and then the other. And then, you know, the, the, the third process, which is the rebirth, they actually are all happening at the same time, which is the timeless space that we actually exist in, which is, again, is the psychedelic experience. Of being tap, being able to tap into the timelessness, which is where divinity exists. Yeah, and working in the addiction field and and having, you know, gotten into starting treatment centers and detox and inpatient, outpatient. I I I watched people for almost a decade when I was in that space, fall in, and it's they think that's the ultimate reality that that this their life is over and that this is their life, and I I think it comes down to education in a sense, mm. like we're almost educating people that part mm. of the human experience is death and rebirth and you're in this season and somehow change the hopelessness mm. from like lean into this. Let's lean into the death. Let's lean into the pain. Let's into the, lean into the grief. And I, again, I just saw so many people pass away. I saw so many people go back and forth to rehab, to rehab. I saw so many parents lose their children. And, and I, I think there is something happening in the collective consciousness right now that psychedelics is bringing a whole new kind of consciousness and awareness and healing at an accelerated level. I think what's happening is fascinating. I'd love to hear kind of how, how that's impacted your life from that life of addiction and how you found that. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, well, I'll just let me just kind of go over my backstory a little bit. So I was raised in martial arts since I was four years old. So my first conscious memory was actually of Bruce Lee. That, that, that's, that was the first memory of, you know, that I have. And so that, that imparted to me the iconography of a real life superhero in flesh and blood that was actually a human being. That was kind of like a North Star for me. And there is a psychedelic tone to that too because that was an idea that was made manifest in my lived experience that was real to me and that activated and awakened um, some sort of potential within me that was, that was central to who I am, if that makes sense. Whether that's through past lives of being a martial artist and a samurai and a warrior, um, something within my soul signature DNA was, was awoken and it set me on a path of becoming a martial artist and an elite athlete. And I spent my entire upbringing in that field. In martial arts. In martial arts, yeah. Like going to what, trainings and, and, and like, was it karate? Was it what? I started with karate and then, you know, and then I studied many different, many different martial arts and then Taekwondo. I have a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. I ran a martial arts school of hundreds of students and also was an Olympic hopeful. So that, that was my, my goal and my obsession was to become an Olympic athlete in martial arts and Taekwondo. 
and also to run a school. And talk about death and rebirth because I went through a very significant timeline shift and my and that was like my that was my career, that was my focus, that was all I was gonna do. And the the trajectory was set pretty solid for me to do that. And then a life event happened and I had to make a moral and ethical decision based on a new truth that had emerged. Based what happened? on what happened? Well basically I fell in love with a woman who happened to be one of the parents of two of the students and it just turned into like a conflict of interest and this whole thing. I was young at the time, I was 22, 23, um, in, a, in a position of high responsibility, but also, you know, and, and very mature, very stoic, but also young given, you know, life experience. And so that, that, that introduced a whole other element and because of the situation, I chose love over duty. And I think there was a karmic element to that too. And actually in different plant medicine ceremonies, I unwound kind of the karmic link there between my purpose and love and the, the dislocation or the, the kind of tragic bond between the two, if that makes sense. Um, and so that that's, you know, a little, that's like a breaststroke of, of the original identity that I had constructed for myself. And then I had to go through a death of that. And I had to transfer that identity over to a different version of me that was still compatible enough that I could now pursue a new life path. What you just brought up for me, you brought up just sharing that brought up so much for me. The first thing that brought up was like my first hero mm. in life was Wade Boggs. A third, it was a baseball player. I don't know if you follow. I was a baseball player among many other sports, but like Wade Boggs was like my first hero. I played third base and it was like, that was, so you just helped me bring up my first real like hero. And I collected his cards. I watched his every game. So mm. wild. Mm. Thank yeah. you for that. The second thing that brought up for me was the fact that you had one sport, the focus, the disciplinary, the and then yet obsession, yet the obsession in your identity. Yeah, it was your absolutely. identity versus where I, my parents just brought me to like five different sports, and so I never really got mm. great at one, but I was good. I was talented. I was good at you know baseball, soccer. I was always on traveling or all star teams, but but man, I hear so many stories in the recovery world where someone mm, is a mm -hmm, football player mm -hmm. and then they have an injury and then they get hooked on drugs because totally. they lose their identity. Everything is about them being a star and going to the school, playing at yeah. their dad's college or whatever it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Tell me about how that process of love, and by the way, love is so strong. I'm so glad you chose love. I'm so, because love, man, I love following it, it was love. A very, it, was, it was an important maturation process. Like I could have gone and done that trajectory yeah. and become an Olympic athlete or trained with the team and and you know done that whole that whole thing and that would have been great but my soul definitely was choosing a different trajectory for my soul growth and i also obviously i wouldn't be here talking to you i wouldn't have eventually chose the path of becoming a holistic nutritionist um that's a whole story in of itself it almost like love opened up a door it you opened up and, and then that's and you're like, I is, want to go yeah. down that door and explore. And that now that it opened up that door, yeah. you have something else. That's right. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So what was it like to die and kind of lose your identity around the, the Olympic athlete mm. and then the love? Tell me about that story and, and what you had to go through. Yeah, I mean, there was there was quite a bit. I It was an easy transition because I slid into the relationship. So 
Yeah, I was able to slide into the relationship, and she was 11 years my senior. Mm -hmm. So that so there was a certain groundedness that I was able to um, I was able to to receive, and um, she had two kids. So it kind of like became like a surrogate, like uncle stepfather kind of kind of energy. So it gave me structure and groundedness and it also gave me what I needed to stay motivated. And then I eventually, I just transferred all that martial arts energy over to basketball because that was actually my first love athletically. And so I just decided that I was going to literally translate all that energy instead of, instead of giving up on it, which that would have been a, a deeper death. And that would have probably led me into a state of hopelessness and displacement. And I, so I decided to trans, transfer that energy over to basketball and spent the next three years training with um, athletic coaches and giving that original dream that I never really thought would be a real thing and just giving it one last shot and saying, you know what, why not? I'm young enough, I'm, I'm skilled enough. If I, if I just transfer the same work ethic that I did as a martial artist over to basketball, then, you know, let's go for it. So I did that. And so that gave me an identity, an identity like uh, transition until eventually that athletic energy met its, it kind of met its like expiration, if you mm -hmm. will. Yeah. It's interesting that following love going down that door opened up a love for another sport that maybe had gone mm, away and it opened up point. that love right yeah. love is so beautiful it can open up so many things for us right it's like oh even yeah. the, the flowers smell now i'm in love but i can say the love is so powerful yeah right and yeah. you know everything has an expiry date and i've, mm. I've come to learn that and you know, to uh, ride the wave and enjoy the fucking wave and enjoy it. You know, we come to this human experience to experience the depths of the darkness and the light, mm. the pain and the joy. And I used to resist the pain or the darkness. And now I let it, I just, I just allow it because it's the full human experience. So I'm just commend you on your journey so far. I'm excited for this next question. Once it expired in the sports kind of like, okay, this athletic career, the stories, your expectations, how did that, how did that transition go? Is that when you went through a death and kind of an identity or did it have, did it have a smooth landing? I, I think it was smooth enough. Like I, I did go through a bit of a spiritual awakening around that time. Mm -hmm. So there was multiple things happening along what seems like just kind of a linear timeline as, as such as life, right? Yeah. There's so many things happening in the seen and unseen world. And so I went through a bit of a spiritual awakening, which also started to create some, some challenge in the relationship. And then eventually the relationship shifted because I actually got introduced to the raw food diet, like in 2009. And I got introduced to people like David Wolf and people like Dr. Gabriel Cousins and people in that community. Experts. Yeah, experts in that. And that was a completely different paradigm. It was a different reality. And mind you, to also throw another strange parallel timeline into this mix, I was working in the emergency room of Summit Hospital in Oakland, California as an HIV tester as like a side job that I had gotten hooked up with 
to supplement my basketball career. So as that timeline was finding its conclusion point, I get slipped into the hospital doing HIV testing in the emergency room. I stumble on the raw food diet on YouTube University. My first exposure is of David Wolf. So if you know who that is, you gotta kinda get an idea of what that what what that is to your paradigmical kind of set point, especially when it comes to the health and medical world. Yeah, one so, of the leaders. Yeah, and also someone who's like completely counterculture, but is like one of the best in the game. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is that I have my own office in the emergency room. I'm literally becoming a secret agent is what's going on. I'm going into the hospital uh, rooms of people and doing these HIV swabs. There's a 20 minute like testing process. So I'd get a couple swabs, go into my office. There's a timer. I'm going on YouTube and I'm, I'm, I'm looking up, okay, this lecture on health, what's going on with the pharmaceutical companies, what's going on with genetic modification, chemtrails, fracking, like, It opened you know, up a whole new pathway, a whole new doorway, a whole new passion, obsession, a new obsession. A that's right, a completely new obsession, but this time it, there was something different about it. There was something very different about it. It was coming from a different place. It felt like it was, it was leading me into a different place. And as the Venetian veils of my own consciousness start to come down, I'm looking around at the hospital. Nobody knows what's going on. I'm the only one. I'm going through a spiritual awakening in the environment itself. I'm watching what's going on. I'm seeing the patients. I'm seeing the nurses. I open up the the, you know, where the cafeteria. The nurses are eating, you know, cupcakes and ding dongs and burritos and cakes and soda. And so I see it differently now, though. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I see the doctors and the way they're talking to the you know, the, the cancer patients. And then I go and I see the doctors in the white trench coat going to the vending machine to get their lunch and it clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's the situation. It's almost like you were coming out of the matrix while in the matrix. Exactly. I didn't even know I was in the matrix. That's the whole point. And so, I, so I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. Like God really does work in mysterious ways because I was, I was, an Olympic hopeful in martial arts. I'm a martial artist, traditional Eastern philosophical martial artist. Well, it shows by how in shape you are. I'm, I'm a little jealous. I mean, yeah, you, you're definitely a martial artist. Well, we can, we can, you know, and work on work, that. Work on that <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, but then I'd be. I'm, I'm a, a white belt, by the way. I've been trained hard for that. Yeah. I, well, that's a whole conversation. I actually really was a white belt, and, yeah. I, and I just I just stopped going to karate. Well, you're always supposed to be a white belt till your white belt turns and turns black. Yeah, I almost went for like the yellow. Was a yellow next? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do remember breaking the board. That was fun. Yeah. I'm sure you've broken many, but yeah, and bricks. Well, we'll we'll. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. Well, we'll set up a board breaking. <laughs> That'd be cool, man. Expose. Next episode. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Cool. So, I mean, that's just, but that's the wildness of it. And that's the interesting thing that we're talking about from the context of, of psychedelics, because there's the psychedelics as the exogenous compounds, both natural and synthetic, but then there's also the psychedelic experience. Okay. And I like to differentiate those two things as separate kind of journeys for people to explore. The word psychedelic means mind manifest. Right, that's the loose translation of what psychedelic means. 
And that's essentially what's happening is that you're manifesting your subconscious mind and bringing that into the forefront. And that's essentially, when I look back on it, that's essentially what's happening, but I almost look at it like some sort of weird past life set of like lifetimes that are emerging like in these little chapters. Correct. I, yeah. I, just, I just saw something about human Human is mm. light and form, bringing lightness into form. Like, we're, yeah. and then psychedelic manifest. What did you say? Psychedelic mind manifest. Mind manifest. Yeah. I, I and, and in your my experience, you know, having sat with psychedelics for now for the last three years, it's the greatest awakening I've ever experienced. And I've gone through lots of little deaths and rebirths, deaths and rebirths. And so, in fact, I started studying transformation, archetypes, death, rebirth, and I started leaning into those deaths throughout my life. And that's, you can, that's why you can create new lifetimes, new lifetimes in this form. Yes. You can live so many lives. And we can talk about that for hours about yeah. the lifetimes we've lived, right? Oh, well, I lived in New York in acting school. And then I created a new life and lived in San Francisco and lived in corporate. Like, and then I, so we can talk about all these different there was a lifetime when I actually went traveling around the world for two years and just like backpacking countries, mm. but we really can. This is the greatest adventure, being alive. Mm, mm, and what psychedelics mm. can do is awaken, we can get into woo-woo language, but it can awaken the third eye, it can awaken this experience this major expansion of consciousness. Which have us it does, uncover, physiologically. Physiologically, right? right? And you can yeah. probably talk about scientifically what it does, which will probably be my next question, but just, just the fact that it can reveal unconscious programming. It That's can it. reveal unconscious patterns. It can reveal unconscious behaviors. And sometimes we have to feel the muck. And that's why some mm. people have these crunchy journeys because we have to feel it to heal it. And we have to like fully feel it to release it. Yes. Uh, and then we can start to take responsibility for that we're creating reality. And so someone once told me that really all reality is is a slowed down vibrational state. And we're living in a dream state of consciousness. We're living in a slowed down vibration. And yeah, I'm curious what, what you think or you know, ha what happens to the brain when someone is taking a psychedelic? Sure. Like what's, what's really going on scientifically? Sure. I mean, there's a number of things and it's specific to the substance itself. Some things are serotonin agonists like MDMA and psilocybin. And so they... They're not antagonists, but they're agonists, meaning that they help with the with the hyper production of serotonin, basically flooding the neurocircuits with serotonin production. And serotonin is a really interesting molecule because it's the here and now neurotransmitter, where dopamine is the motivation, willpower, drive, and future anticipation molecule. That's that's what dopamine actually is. So serotonin is, is here now, presence, yes. content, bringing that presence yeah. in, and then dopamine is that excitement for the future, like, like, anticipation. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's go wow. get the thing done. Let's let's go out. <laughs> Two there. very important parts of happiness, really. C critical. Cri they're they're the the king and the queen on the neurochemical chessboard. Wow. And and they have to be in a dynamic homeostasis like a like a, a a dance together they have to dance together all mental health issues chemically speaking are an imbalance between the masculine and the feminine of serotonin and dopamine and that's a whole like interesting rabbit hole in of itself just like that framework of masculine feminine and you can overlay that on a lot of different things chemically speaking that's one aspect of what's going on with things like psilocybin and MDMA in particular, and you can track the experience of what's going on with your neurochemistry based on the state that you're in.
So let's look at healthcare over the last several decades, right? We've got a country that's hooked on pharmaceutical medicine. Uh, doctors are given false power because we're giving doctors power to heal us and we're not taking responsibility for our own healing. We're relying on these medications from pharma to, to resolve it versus taking our own power back. I mean, what do you think is happening right now with psychedelic medicine? What do you think the future is? What do you, and, 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 and how is this transition happening from the old paradigm of mental mm. health to the new paradigm? It's a big question. I feel like I want to, I want to bridge by also saying that one of the main functions of psychedelics, plant medicines, entheogens is the dropping down of what's called the default mode network in the brain. So that's like the cognitive filter and that's the filter or the, like the RAS, the reticular activating system, Tony Robbins and different like NLP t people talk about. It's essentially the, the filter in which we're filtering all the data stream of external information that's coming through and we need to filter that all out into relevant bits of information that are relevant and useful for us. Right, and so when you when you drop that default mode network down, you're essentially dropping the drawbridge of the ego filter, the ego identity structure, and that's why, like Terence McKenna says, that psychedelics or plant medicines are they dissolve boundaries, mm. right? They dissolve the the boundaries within the own structure of our our psychic. Our psychic structures is the way that I like to phrase mm -hmm. that. Our identity that's based on the psychic structures that we've constructed and that have also been adopted and manufactured and that we've taken on from childhood and whatever else, familial trauma and the different, the different ways that we've created an identification with ourself in this, this kind of human experience in the material world. So that's really important because it helps you get in touch with who you are beneath the surface. But that's also a challenging um, proposition if you don't have guidance. And I think that's the piece I wanna just, I wanna just bring into this, is one aspect is the experience itself, what it does in the brain, and, and you know, we could go deeper into that. But the most important thing is the integration. I think that that conversation is becoming so much more prevalent in the psychedelic space is the need for integration. And what does integration really mean? Integration is means integrity. And that and that's the thing that I and to kind of in a roundabout way partly answer your question, maybe, is that the biggest issue I think for us culturally mm -hmm. is that we've we've become a society that is deeply out of alignment in integrity with our original base traditional morals, mm. the moral and ethical structure of society, whether that's through religion or spirituality or philosophy, mm -hmm. we've kind of become debased from our philosophical roots. Mm -hmm. And so now it's kind of just a free for all mm -hmm. in, 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 you know, in so many different sectors. It reminds me like in old movies, how much honor meant people would die for their honor. Like think about the frequency of integrity, which could be honor. Yeah. In those olden days, people would die before giving away their honor. They would die before giving away their integrity. Mm. Now you look at you look at things now so like where things are just 
we lie in a heartbeat. We people please. We're like it's like this culture. Is that kind of what you're that's referring exactly, to a bit with exactly integrity? I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. And there's the integrity, the integrity, like the integral structure within culture, within society, and the obvious impact that has that you're pointing to within ourselves as individuals. And that's why the psychonautical, you know, healing journey is so important. I think that's also the intelligence, especially with things like ayahuasca, because ayahuasca is a spirit. Mm -hmm. My personal conviction is that the spirit of ayahuasca within the Banisteri Opsis copy vine itself mm -hmm. is the phyto plant embodiment of Mother Earth. I'm convinced of that by, it's not just like, oh, grandmother. Yeah. Who is grandmother? Mother Earth. It's Mother Earth. The intelligence of Earth. Yes. Like the intelligence of Earth. Let that sink in. Ayahuasca is putting intelligence of Earth in your body. And it's a being. It's very clearly an oh, actual- Oh, it's so intelligent. Yeah. It, it's rapid growth for me. So, I mean, so like to that point, we need that, that deep, unadulterated, unapologetic, but incredibly kind and compassionate grandmotherly wisdom because we've lost, we've lost footing with what's real. And we don't know who we are. We have. Sometimes I feel like society, our, our collective consciousness is just, is just actually collectively in one big ayahuasca journey right now. That, we're going down. The last and three years, I'm up. just like, oh, yep. there, oh we're uh -huh. still, uh -huh. I thought I was getting some grounding. Okay, this business thing, whatever, this relationship. Oh, no, now we're, now we're on that part of the journey. <laughs> yes, oh, okay. it's, it's the waves of frequency. I'm just going to lay on my floor all day and just surrender. Yeah, allow, receive, yeah. surrender. So <laughs> so I'll give a real life example of integrity, of, of, of how I actually learned about integrity. Um, so, uh, you know, having sat with psychedelics the last three years, it has shown me so much. It has healed so much. It has expanded consciousness so much. We could, we could talk for hours and we will. We'll get together and you and I will talk for hours. Um, but recently, you know, through integration, someone once said they're, they're, they're teaching me about karma mm. and they're teaching me about container agreements and integrity those four things right and i'm like okay teach me this so this person who's teaching me is a very old soul uh, you know many lives and he is a master of integration you want to talk about athlete reminds me of you just like so meticulous and his integration is incredible right mm -hmm. so he said first of all you have to realize Everything has consciousness. Every word you say, every sound you, there's a consciousness to everything. So everything you do matters. Everything you do. So even saying a lie, now that lie is in your body and it's, and it's working, it's there. It's an energetic form. So having a container, so what a real life example is, I used to live in the story that, hey, I'm busy. So I'd be like, yep, okay, I'll do that. Yep, yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll be, so like there was a lot Over of words I was giving. I call that MDMA commitments. Well, yes, to me, it was the story of like, I'm busy, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, totally, But totally. really, when I unpack that, and again, medicine kind of shows me those patterns, what I really saw was a deep fear mm. of presence. Mm, interesting. Because I didn't want to feel the pain of presence. Because in presence, it's the eternity pain. I, if, if someone's feeling pain, I'm going to feel that with them. And if someone's going to be present with intimacy, I'm going to feel intimacy, mm. whether it's a man or a woman. I'm going to feel intimate. And I was afraid of that. And you had then to I, see into me. Oh, yeah, into me. Into me you see. And so learning presence 
being in presence, leaning into the pain and the fear on the medicine journeys of being in presence, then understanding that everything matters and every thought matters and every, it's learning to keep my karma in place. So that's how I've learned to, what integrity really is because I wanna clean up that karma immediately. Like, oh my God, I told my wife a little lie today. Like today, and I was like, oh my God, that was like a little white lie. I wanna clean that up. She's like, oh, thanks, babe. Like, cause we're human. Things happen. Like, right. uh, you right. know. So, so, and it was just, I want to now keep my karma clean. Mm. Just a little real example. It, of there's what I'm two things that come up for me. So I'm gonna do my best to to tie these two yes. pictures that I'm getting. One of them is like, okay, the word entheogen. It, it breaks down into three things. So n meaning endogenous, right? Generated from within. Then you have gen entheogen, generator, to generate, and from within, theo, which is the study of God, religion, or the divine. Now, the interesting thing about psychedelics, let's just, yeah, we'll go with the word entheogens, they cut out the middleman. That's the whole thing with the Vaticanized Catholic Church and and you know the the suppression of psychedelics and the, that whole that whole story. By the way, this I was almost gonna not say this, but by the way, what is the burning bush all about, anyways? I'm just gonna put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. What is mana? Or Santa Claus the, the and the Siberian mushroom shaman and that whole that whole thing. It's the Santa Claus going down the chimney is actually a reference to the the Klaus right. liquid right. going through our spine down. It has been. That's we, right. We, there's so much innate wisdom if we just study the awakening of consciousness, but it's all manipulated in forms of external religions that have also made money and, and power and, yeah. and mixed in all these things in the human form. Because why? Because as a human, there's darkness yeah. and there's light, and the human experience is all of it. But mm -hmm. it really, the ultimate, the ultimate thing is: are are we waking up the I am consciousness? Right. I am the creator of this experience. Right, and that's the whole entheogen kind of riddle, right? Because the whole idea is that I am able to generate the divine God from within. So the God yes. spark exists within all of us, but the default mode network has become so calcified. It's almost like we're walking around with psychosclerosis. Total trance. Yeah, like people like heart heart disease is the number one um, reason for mortality worldwide. Mm -hmm. And people get atherosclerotic calcified blockages in their arteries, blood doesn't flow to the brain, someone has a stroke, they're There's done. There's no accidents. Every single sickness That's is tied right. to something. 100%. Everything is tied to something. 100%. I used to, I used to tear my ankle, I ripped my ACL, I had left shoulder, and you know what? Left side is, is, is feminine, left side is mother. And then I realized I had all this stuff around my mother and my mother's side of the family. And I started sending love and started healing and doing my mother wound work, the feminine work. Mm. Nothing wrong with my left side anymore. Mm. It's everything has a tie-in. Everything has a psycho, psychosomatic, metaphysical, spiritual root cause. God. Yeah. And so that's amazing. Yeah, and so there's this other piece that came in that I just wanted to, I just wanted to wrap around because you were talking about karma and I thought, wow, this would actually be a really interesting, I hadn't thought about this. So I've been a nutritionist for almost 15 years. I've also been an, like a quote unquote alchemist. I've studied ancient alchemical systems and herbalism. And so like in, in Taoist, Chinese herbalism, like the ancient Taoist system, not like TCM, which is, is great, but it's more like a medicalized model of, of 
the the Taoist wisdom of Chinese medicine, which is a five thousand year old system. So when you when you're making what's called an herbal decoction, and that's basically like an herbal tea, you have the mark and the menstruum. The menstruum is the substrate or the solution, so it's the water base. Mm. Then you have the mark, which is the actual physical herbal structure. So imagine you have like a reishi mushroom or a shaga mushroom or you know, whatever, ginseng or whatever, mm. and then you put that into the water base, you double boil it, and then what comes out of it is a decoction, which is the, the tea, which is concentrated from the water-soluble compounds of the physical substance. Mm. So now that's all been distilled. Oh and that's kind of how I see the transmutation process or the alchemical process of what's going on in ceremony, what's going on in a, in a set and setting of our own psycho-spiritual process, the quote-unquote death and rebirth. And maybe that helps people pictorially get an, I, an image, a concept, a mental map of what that actually is. Because to your point, when we first started this, you know, when you're going through it, you feel like I'm dying, it's all over. Mm -hmm. And that's a feeling. Mm -hmm. Feelings are transitory, they're temporal, they come and go, but we get so attached and we grasp for the feeling, even if the feeling is non-productive, we'll grasp onto it because whatever we identify, we begin to identify with, and we're so needing to identify with anything we can because that's how the ego structure stays relevant it stays it stays in place so that all has to be kind of deconstructed or distilled into its refined its refined kind of pure essence and that that's who we become when we when we come out of these experiences you're blowing my mind right now and uh just because we're definitely long lost brothers <laughs> for sure because I, uh, like I said, I, I ran away from home at 16 and I drove from Florida mm. to Wisconsin. I like, you know, and I've, I've, I've traveled the world to get lost. And, and, and I always, I always thought like if I was ever going to write a book or ever going to come out with a, you know, TV, a documentary is like, go get lost so you can become found, go lose your identity totally. to be found. And if people could just understand when you're going through a crisis, crisis creates change. And a crisis is good. A crisis is part of the human experience. Darkness is part of the human experience. Pain is part of the human experience. Grieving is part of like, lean into it, lean into it. Keep asking questions because you are a divine, infinite, eternal, mm. sovereign soul. And you are infinite and you will be reborn into something beautiful. The chrysalis, the butterfly was always something that I always yeah. shared about going the into the cocoon, cells. turning to mush, yeah, yeah. Turning, allow yourself to turn into mush to become a beautiful new fucking butterfly that's with colors and now you can fly. When before you were crawling. And what, and it's what, like this and, is, if, there, if a butterfly can do this, what can we do? Right, and there's a genetic, epigenetic, evolutionary impulse or a trigger that triggers an evolutionary impulse. Yes. And in that example, it's the imaginal cells that are actually built into the, the structure of what a butterfly is. We also have that inside of us. And psychedelics, plant medicines, these different compounds, these different compounds have a unique chemical structure or something about it that tripwires mm -hmm. the mechanisms within our psyche and in our actual, our physical brain, that 
evolutionary impulse within us. There's something, there's something there structurally, chemically, spiritually for that sure. That activates the expansion. That activates that impulse for evolution. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it wants to, it wants to evolve. It yeah. wants to expand. It, and the last thing, we're out of time, but I, I just, I could go on and on and on. Like, I don't want to end I know, right now, now we're just, we're just getting, team, we're just like, getting rolling. Up finger, fingers. Yeah, I feel like, okay, <laughs> shoot. So, so I'll, I'll say this last piece, and then I want to talk about your new book. Okay. Someone once told me about the default mode network, the way it is, it's like your subconscious, this eternal, infinite wisdom downloads because we're infinite and we're multidimensional. We're, you know, we're living in this slow down vibrational state, but we're multidimensional. You've seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, won all the Oscars, it's happening. That the, the, your subconscious, the default mode network is like the jailer on guard, mm. guarding mm. the jail cell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's 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 your the brain with the beautiful brain. I've learned to honor the brain. Like it's built for survival. There's a survival. It's like a part psychic of immune us. system. Correct. Always mm-hmm. on guard. Always on alert. Right. Yeah. And what psychedelics can do is make the jailer go to sleep. And now the jailer is asleep. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now it has access yes. to all the infinite, eternal awareness, healing multi-dimensional states, everything. And sometimes it needs to heal the body. Like the first year of psychedelics, it was showing me what organs were sick. Mm. It, it, it healed, it opened up chakras for me. It healed things. And it was like, it was just going into the, the psychic hands. I mean, it was going into the <laughs> healing of the body mm-hmm. and before it showed me. And it was crunchy the first year. A lot of it was hard journeys, right? Yeah. And oh, so yeah. I just I just want to say it's such an honor and such a privilege to get to know you today and to have this conversation that we get to have this memory like for the rest of our time yeah. and, and our friendship. And just so just honored to meet a brother mm. and someone that I really connect with. And um, just I could feel your strength and your maturity at such a young age to call in an, I'm kind of jealous about that, an 11 year old to senior and how you, at 23 years old, you chose love and that you had that maturity and that you moved and followed your heart and followed love and followed you, the, the opening of of your mind and, and uh, there's no accidents while you're, you know, first day of the show that you're here. So thank you for coming. And thank before you. you go, tell us a little bit about The Dopamine Solution. This is your next book. The first this book, is, yeah. if you haven't read it, The Addiction-Free Lifestyle is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's helped so many people, if you're in addiction, to understand plant medicine and yeah. what those scientifically yeah. and yeah. your experience combined can do. But tell us about The, the Dopamine Solution. Thank you. Appreciate all of that, and I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so the dopamine solution, and again, I, it's a, it's a book that I'm steadily working on right now, and so it's the dopamine solution becoming anti fragile in an overstimulated and unstable world. Mm. So to me, dopamine is one of the most fascinating topics in the world um, of neuroscience, of holistic health, of nutrition. It, it literally is a tracking mechanism for how we're interpreting external to internal reality, meaning how our internal nervous system is processing and orienting itself to the external stimulus of whatever's going on around us. And it, dopamine to me, it is the it is the answer to all the solutions we need, and it's also potentially one of the most dangerous things if we don't get it right, mm. because all addiction of all kinds, 
the the dopamine circuits are the pathways that get that get capitalized on when it comes to any kind of addiction and especially now with the advent of digital distraction, digital disconnection, our over-reliance on these artificial virtual screens, which are just alternate interfaces for a different type of reality that's not really real. And the brain doesn't have the ability to distinct between context of real versus or organic versus inorganic. It's just taking chemical impulses or inputs, I should say, and it's tracking it based on chemical stimulus. So dopamine, pleasure, reward, motivation, and then external like stimulus and response. Mm. Does it make sense? It makes a lot of sense. So for so for, people can yeah. fall into the trap. It's a trap of false dopamine. It's, that's right. And, and that false dopamine will train your brain and your nervous system to seek out immediate gratification, instant validation. External, yeah. living externally instead of internally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. overstimulation, yeah. you know, like living on your phone, living on this virtual reality. Versus dopamine that you can activate through psychedelic medicine yes. that gives you downloads, healing, awareness, yeah. love, understanding what conscious unconscious patterns that you mm -hmm. have so it can like a, like there's a healthy way of accessing dopamine well, versus dopamine's the, the most dopamine is the most powerful chemical hormone aside from like testosterone but it has more implications than anything else to your personality your behavior set changing behaviors to our own evolution to overcoming addiction so the same thing that is is creating the addiction is, is creating the addiction be, is the same thing that, will that heal unwinds and heals Whole, the addiction. You just blew my mind. I got chills. You just blew my mind. When we talk about addicts, right? The great enigma and riddle of addiction. You could boil it down to people that we conventionally call as addicts or have addictive yeah, issues. I've been through it. Just yeah. have a lot of energy that's mismanaged and misdirected. So are they addicts? Is that the problem, that they have an external coping strategy to medicate, numb, sedate, the God-shaped hole within themselves, they're lacking purpose? So the energy that they have, they, they need to put it into something or otherwise we're gonna self-implode, right? So we put it into these numbing, medicating substances or distractions, right? These slow drip pressure release valve mechanisms. Pharma medications that turn off the valves, turn right. off the things, but what that suppress their energy. What happens when somebody gets turned on, whether through a psychedelic plant medicine experience, uh, you know what you guys do with your ketamine-assisted therapy clinics, um, and somebody gets turned on to life and onto health and to working out, getting into cleansing. it's almost like the awakening you went through at the hospital. Going through an awakening, it right. can almost be an inducement. Like you induce a pregnant woman to have a, you can induce a spiritual awakening. Totally, that be beautifully Dude, said. Thank yeah. you so much. I can't wait for this book to come out to learn, so we can all learn about dopamine and the mm. power that it can have to heal and the power it can have to cause damage. So, yeah. what an honor, man. Thank you so much. We'll have you back when the book comes out. Can't wait. Cool, man. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks for coming. Peace, brother. Thank you for joining us today on the Going Within podcast. The Going Within podcast is sponsored by Within Center. Within is a ceremonial psychedelic assisted wellness center in the heart of Austin, Texas. Discover more about our transformative practices at within.center. If you enjoyed this episode, we kindly invite you to follow us and share your thoughts with a review. 
Going Within is hosted by David Naylor, production led by Patrick Stanger, and filming and production by Rare Media. Please note the statements made on Going Within have not undergone evaluation by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Within, we strongly recommend consulting your healthcare provider for personalized guidance on the diagnosis and treatment of any disease or condition.